The year was 1952. And for you smart Alex, no, I wasn't around to see it. I read about it. A doctoral student approached Albert Einstein. How awesome would that have been to have him as your professor, as long as you could get past the hairdo. But he approached him and asked an interesting question. He said, doesn't it look like all of the good, important, scientific research has already been done and written about? What else is there left to study? That was kind of an arrogant question, in my opinion. Certainly short-sighted, 1952. Think of all the things that have changed since then. But I was more intrigued by Albert Einstein's answer to this student. When the student said, hasn't everything of importance already been studied? Einstein said, why don't you find out about prayer? My guess is that's not the answer the student expected to hear. I'll be honest, it wasn't the answer I expected to read. And I thought if Albert Einstein thought it was important to figure out prayer, maybe I ought to look at it a little more. But more importantly, as I read in Scripture, I keep seeing over and over throughout the Gospels how often Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, the Messiah, prayed. I think I ought to do it a little more. Now, let me give a disclaimer. We're starting a series this morning, four weeks leading up to our Ignite services about prayer. In fact, I'm titling it Igniting Your Life Through Prayer. Not igniting your prayer life, igniting your life because prayer impacts your whole life. And if we do it consistently, fervently, and passionately, it spills over on a whole bunch of other lives. But I also realize there's not much I could preach on that isn't, that is so immediately guilt inducing as saying we're going to look at prayer. Because most of us, when we hear something about prayer, immediately go, yeah, I ought to do more. I do. This is not to produce guilt. This is to produce prayer. Because what I've discovered in my life, what I read in scripture, what I read in history, is that when we get a hold of prayer and allow prayer to get a hold of us, lives are changed. We'll never master it. We'll never know all there is to know about it. But we can participate in it and be part of the ignition in many other lives. So let's take a look at this. 
prayer. Now, if we were going to list definitions of prayer, we would have to go through several screens of slides. There are many books written on prayer. I did a quick scan just in the part of my library that's in my office and you know, just going down one row of books and found like 12. And I knew that I hadn't seen them all and they're not all there in that office. Some of them are at home. But you know what I've discovered? Having a book on prayer doesn't mean I'm praying. Reading a book on prayer doesn't mean I'm praying. It means I'm praying when I actually pray. I've also discovered that there are many different definitions of prayer. I don't know what your definition of prayer is. Let me give you one that, that I use, and that is that prayer is speaking or sharing with God, with Christ, listening to him through the Holy Spirit, through the Bible and the word from others who are following Christ. It is that thing of communicating. And communication is a two-way street. Many of us pray in monologue only. We're telling God things, telling him what he ought to do. Now, we form it in the way of questions, but we're really just kind of going through our list, our punch list and saying, Lord, take care of this, 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 and this. And there's a place for that. But communication, by very definition, is two ways. Think back to your childhood and a parent speaking to you. There were times where they spoke to you and there were times where you communicated with them. And those times when they were speaking to you, you just learned, at least those of us that were smart enough learned, be quiet and listen. It's not a time to answer. There are times when that's how prayer is, but God also wants to hear from us. We don't need to be afraid to pray. In fact, we should look forward to times of prayer. I want to take you to a passage you might not think of when you think of passages on prayer. It's in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, the first of all the books in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 14. If you're going through our, our reading plan and I know many of you are, are doing it or trying to. And if you've fallen behind, just keep reading. Don't worry about having to check the boxes off. Just check the word. That matters a whole lot more than the plan. But you've already read this passage. And my guess is when you read it, you didn't think of prayer. So let me see if I can change your mind. Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22 this is after Jesus has performed some miracles and it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone praying. Verse 24 says, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. We've had some wind lately. And in the fourth watch of the night, this is like three or four in the morning. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. 
when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, and I would add appropriately, terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Calm down. Chill out. I'm here. Verse 28, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw, this is Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love this and what it says about prayer. I mean, look at the beginning of this. It says that Jesus sent everyone away, the crowd and the disciples, so he could pray alone. There are times when we just need to do that, aren't there? It's just time to pray. There are times to pray in groups. There are times to pray with another. But there are also those times when we just need to get alone with God somewhere, someplace, and have a little talk. And have a big listen to what he has to say. For you see, you have to understand this, first of all. Prayer is the language of Christ. I mean, this was normal for him. You go through the Gospels and you find passage after passage where he went aside to pray or asked just the disciples or even two or three of them to come with him and pray. It was his language. You want to communicate with Christ, spend some time in prayer. And I was thinking about that this week, and it was like, you know what? We need to be fluent in his language. And if his language is prayer, then I need to get fluent in prayer. Now, let me just make sure you don't have any pre or some misconceptions. There is not a right and wrong way to pray if you're praying sincerely to God. If you're praying sincerely to Christ. There's not a form you need to use. Many people point to the fact that Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. He didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. In other words, pray. However you do it, pray. I mean, I love listening to young children pray. And they can sometimes go off on all kinds of stuff. We learned when our son was young that the only time we ever asked him to pray for the meal is if it was not a hot meal. <laughs> because early on when he prayed, he prayed for the salt shaker and the pepper shaker and the <laughs> fork and the knife and dad's fork and knife and mom's fork and, and for the, be you know, whatever was there. 
And maybe that's why God called him to Kenya as a missionary because time's not the same over there. They don't, they don't mind the really long stuff. But what it was, was sincere. These things are on my mind and in front of me and I'm praying about them. That's what prayer is about. We need to be about his language, however we do it. You don't have to speak in complete sentences. In fact, some of the times when I'm praying, I can't get anything out. And the scripture tells me that God understands those groanings. And in fact, Christ interprets them to the Father. Even we can't get anything out. Prayer is the language of Christ. So let's get fluent in that language. Secondly, we need to understand this passage shows us, and especially through prayer, we begin to understand where Christ guides, he provides. See, the thing the disciples missed in this passage, in verse 22, he made the disciples get into the boat and what? Go before him to the other side. He sent them somewhere and he was coming. They got out in the middle of the lake. He wasn't with them, they thought. And they panicked, forgetting he had sent them. Where he sends you, where he guides you, he will provide for you. If he sent you there, then just go. Don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. In the light of his word, in the light of his just speaking to you, in the light of the testimony of others that you have seen and heard. Don't doubt just because it gets dark and the winds get high. What he has already promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even in dark days, some of you are going through or have gone through some very dark days recently. He's still with you. He's guided you to that point. He's going to provide. So we need to follow his direction. He said, go on ahead. Go to the other side. Follow his direction even in the storm. I have a question for you. How many prayers go unanswered because they go unasked? How many prayers go unanswered because we never bothered to pray them? We didn't even ask. Maybe we don't do it because we don't want to look foolish praying a big, bold prayer. But I was looking back in Scripture how foolish did Noah look building the ark before the first raindrop fell? Or how foolish did the Israelites look marching silently around the walls of Jericho seven straight days? How foolish did young David look charging the giant Goliath with nothing but a slingshot? Or how about Peter? How foolish did he look in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the storm, getting out to walk on the water? Faith and real prayer involves some risk 
if it's going to make a difference. But when he has sent us, when he has called us, when he has directed us, there is no eternal risk. Oh, there might be a moment of looking foolish. There might be a moment of others misunderstanding. There might even be a moment where physically in this place, it looks like it's over. But there's no eternal risk if he has called us, if he has sent us. Sometimes we're afraid to pray boldly because we think we're going to offend God. You're forgetting who God is. He spoke the world into existence. And you and I along with it. What he has done and who he is. We don't need to be afraid of boldness. My guess is we could never pray boldly enough for who he is. We need to understand this about prayer, not just that it's his language and we need to be fluent, not just to keep going even in the storm, but to realize that the storms don't stop his power. You look at verse 24 and 25, the boat was a long way from land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And it was the middle of the night. The storms don't stop Christ's power. He came walking out through the storm. He spoke and saved Peter. He reached out and rescued him. He got in the boat and the storm stopped. For we need to remember this above all else. He is greater than anything you're going to face. Our God is greater than anything we have seen or will see. And understand this, God who is great and mighty loves you. Jesus loves you right now, right here, right wherever you are and whatever you're going through. He loves you. He is on your side. His will for you is good. Even if it's not always understood by others. The storm, no matter how loud, the waves, no matter how high, the snow, no matter how deep, does not stop his power. It does not stop his will. It does not stop his call. God is still God. I've shared with you before, my dad, who pastored for 44 years, that was kind of his theme. God is still God. I remember talking with him after my mom died at age 59. And he was now by himself. Ministering. He had lost his partner. I said, Dad, is God still God in this? He said, absolutely. He passed just about four years ago now. In the last couple of years were not a lot of fun for him. I remember on one of my visits to him, just asking God, Dad, is this still true? He said, yeah, God's still God. Whatever you're facing, he's still God, and he's still greater than whatever you're facing. 
So, if that's true, and it is, then we need to realize that if Christ calls us, we just need to start moving. Just go. Now, the disciples started, and then they doubted. Have you ever been there? Yep. May need to preach about lying, since not too many of you acknowledge that. They started. Jesus sent them across, and they headed out. Then they doubted when the waves got high. We've all done it. Some are doing it right now. It's understandable. But we have to realize if Christ calls, start moving. I mean, verse 26, (laughs) the disciples saw him walking on the water. They were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. Jesus spoke to them, take heart at his eye. Do not be afraid. But then Peter, (laughs) Peter, Open mouth, change feet. Peter, bold, not always wise. Peter said, if it's really you, then call me to come out. In fact, the ESV version that I read from, it translates it that Peter said, command me. Maybe it's because Peter knew if it wasn't a command, he wasn't getting out of the boat. Jesus called, said, come. Peter got out of the boat. Haven't you always wondered what the others thought? One might have been, no! And at least a couple of them, Thomas included, would have been shaking their head and going, oh, there goes Peter again. Somebody get the life raft. And then he starts walking on the water. Peter. You see, if Christ calls, start moving. And you need to recognize we have all been called. Every one of us has a call in our life. We have a general call to salvation, a general call for witness, but we all have specific calls for where we are and who we are. Because we've been called, we can understand we all have a mission. We have a general mission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Be obedient. But we also have individual missions for right where we are and who we are. So if Christ calls, and he has, then start moving. Now, I realize for certain personalities, this is harder than it is for other personalities. I generally get myself in trouble by moving quick, sometimes before I've thought. Thank you for not saying amen to that. But there are some of you who your problem is not going to be that. It's going to be, well, give me one more sign. Let me lay out this fleece like Gideon did. Oh, you answered that one. Well, let me lay it out this way. Oh, you answered that one. Well, how about this? Whichever you are in, we need to move. Whichever you are in, we need to understand the call we've been given and we have a mission. So let's move. Let's do what he's called us to do. And one of those things is to pray. 
If you're not sure, pray about it. But understand, prayer is not a passive activity. Prayer is active, not just in the action of prayer, but it always calls us to something. It is always pray and. What does he have? What does he desire? What has he called us to? And when you start moving, you're going to start to see the waves. That's what happened to Peter. He had seen the waves, but he didn't realize how high they were till he got in the water. In the boat, they looked high and they were rocking. But when he got on the water, it was even higher. Or so it appeared. So follow the example of Peter. Always cry out to Christ. You see, we criticize Peter and Jesus said, oh, you have little faith to him and to all of them. But Peter got out of the boat and he correctly cried out to Jesus. He said, Lord, save me. You don't know what else to pray. That's always appropriate. Save me from this situation. Save me from my thoughts. Save me from what's happening. Save me from the temptation to go backwards. Whatever it might be, cry out to Christ. Cry out when you feel like you are sinking. But also cry out when you feel like you're soaring. Because sometimes our greatest temptations come when we think things are going well. Because when things are going well, we are tempted to think it's about us instead of depending on him. Have you noticed that? Things are falling apart. Oh, Lord, I need you. Things are going great. Thanks, Lord, I got this. You never had it. (laughs) It's only because of him that things are going well. So whether you're sinking or whether you're soaring, it's time to cry out to him. No, pastor, that means everything. Yes. It is always appropriate to cry out to him. That's his language. Let's speak his language. And then I want you to look at this. In the last verse of this passage, verse 33, Jesus rescued Peter. Oh, you of little faith to him and to all of them. They got in the boat and the wind ceased. And those in the boat had a Bible study about it. No. Those in the boat took a vote. No. Those in the boat posted it on social. (laughs) That would be an appropriate thing to post. Those in the boat worshipped. Middle of the lake, middle of a storm. They worshiped. No matter where you are, no matter where you are, no matter what's happening to you or not happening, it is always appropriate to worship. Worship is always the correct response. Say, how are we to respond? Worship. Well, what about this? Worship. See, prayer is a part of that. 
prayer even in our gatherings on Sunday when we come together for this formal time of worship. Formal as in we've set it aside, put it on the calendar. But even in this time, prayer needs to be a part of our worship, not just how we start and end things. Because you see, Peter showed us that you can pray at any moment. He did not have time to kneel. He was sinking. And he cried out. He prayed. The disciples in the boat, seeing Jesus, were terrified. They cried out. (laughs) It is always appropriate to worship. Because you see, worship should be our daily response. Say to what? Yes. Worship should be our daily response to the day. When the day starts and when it ends and everything in between. Because one of the beautiful things, we're going to look at this some more in the next three weeks. In fact, Jody and I are in the process of writing a 21-day devotional that will start next Sunday to go along with this that we can do together throughout the week about prayer. It is always appropriate to pray. How we do it, the posture we're in, the words we use aren't near as important as our heart. And we just cry out to him. I told you a few weeks ago about the little girl who was up in her room and staying with grandpa and grandma. And grandma, grandpa walked by the room and heard her saying the alphabet. <laughs> it's like, what is she doing? He listened and when she stopped, he heard her say, amen. He poked his head and said, honey, what were you doing? He said, I was praying. He said, sounded like you were just saying the alphabet. She said, I don't know how to spell everything and say everything right, Grandpa, but I know God does, so I just threw the letters out and let him put them together. <laughs> There's not a lot of us adults who need to pray like that. Let him put it together. Just cry out. So let me ask you, are you speaking his language? Are you praying? Are you crying out to him in whatever you're facing? As you do it, are you actually worshiping him even as you pray? In the storm and in the calm, in the boat or in the water, on the shore or wherever it may be, Jesus showed us Verse 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. We need to find those moments individually and corporately. Large groups, small groups, by ourselves to simply pray. It's his language. Let's start speaking it so he can start doing things we can't even imagine right now. Father, thank you for being the example through your son, Jesus Christ, of praying. Lord, help me to speak that language more frequently and more fluently. Or give me courage to be willing to look foolish through what I pray about. For Lord, I believe that you are greater than anything I will face and am facing. So I give it to you. 
I ask for your touch. I ask for your will. And Lord, help me to hear your call and to move while you begin to show it to me. I don't have to see it all ahead of time. Help me to just be like Peter and be willing to step out even into the waves. So Father, I thank you for your call. I thank you for your power. I thank you that you are listening and you're also speaking to us. This week, help us to start speaking your language more and more. And I thank you in advance for the answers that are on their way. In Jesus' name, I ask for this. Amen. Amen.